0: What's up, Spell Slingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabegi, And this is Untap Upkeep Drink.
1: Beer up.
0: Hey, welcome back, guys. Today we're going to be kicking off a new series here on UUD. As always with me, I've got Drew and Corey. What's going on, guys?
1: What is up? How are you guys
0: doing? doing?
2: Hopefully we're talking about the color white. This is going to be the first episode of our Color Wheel series. Uh, We're trying to go in Wooberg order here. We'll see what happens as the episodes come out. But the idea is that we're going to go through each of the colors in a more holistic method to talk about what it is the colors do, what they represent in Magic, and we'll throw in some cards in there so that we actually see.
0: We'll touch a little on game mechanics and things like that, but it's mostly kind of the the personification
2: of the color within the game of Magic. And to that end, we actually have a nice quote here from Mark Rosewater about what the colors kind of represent. So we've got... Uh, From Mark's blog, the blogatag, he has white seeks peace through structure, blue seeks perfection through knowledge, black seeks power through ruthlessness, red seeks freedom through action, and green seeks acceptance through growth. So you'll see those kinds of themes throughout. Now, as always, we're going
0: to start this episode off with some uh, delicious beers. And uh, the one I picked out for Corey, I tried to be as on theme as I could. (laughs) <laughs> so we got, we got ourselves a Wasatch Brewing flavor points white IPA because we're talking white today.
2: Corey also tried to keep it on theme and got a white label, but it turns out was a very dark beer. Oh yeah, so
1: the darkest, the golden Drock Drake. I don't really know how to say it.
2: Uh, it's a Belgian beer, so it's got two probably A's. Drock.
1: I assume it's Drock.
2: And Corey, you've got that Wasatch Brewing. It's the Ghostwriter IPA. Yeah, white so IP. it's
1: the the Crowler Ghostwriter White IPA. It's an ale brewed with coriander, and I've actually had this one before, and this is one of the few IPAs that I will actually enjoy
2: drinking. Pretty mellow.
1: Yeah, this one it's it's a lot easier to drink than most IPAs. It's not as
2: bitter. And so for those of you that don't know, a Crowler is a half sized growler <laughs> can.
0: <laughs> half a fucking. It's, it's a gallon, monster. Basically. It's yeah.
2: yeah, it's thirty-two ounces of just just,
0: this here's a court. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Corey's gonna be getting silly, is what we're saying. I'm trying to turn up. And yeah. so for Gary and I picked out for you the circus boy. Yep, this is a a nice Hefeweizen beer, and I'm going to read the back. The back is incredible. (laughs) It says, Circus Boy is an unfiltered American-style Hefeweizen whose prolific American Hefeweizen yeast swings among the bubbles, creating a mysterious haze. Just below the surface of this light malty body lies a mischievous addition of lemongrass and a subtle citrusy finish, which sounds exactly like the types of beers that I like. So thank you so much, (laughs) Drew. Let's get into this, boy. Of course, not even going to try his. He just knows what it's I mean, about. I've already been drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> he started early. Mine is pretty good, but it's a little less citrus- citrusy than I
2: thought. It's not lemons. It's lemongrass.
0: Well, it just says citrusy.
2: Yeah, I think it does say A citrus. subtle
0: citrusy finish, and it was. But there, there wasn't but from the lemongrass.
1: It wasn't citrusy? Or not as citrusy as you want
2: it? It's not like they put like a full fucking a sour. Right. Yeah, it's not yeah. a
1: fruity beer it's just there's fresh notes. yeah notes
0: exactly but very weedy which i like kind of that mellow you know summer beer kind of feel hell yeah it's really light in color which is cool but it is hazy
2: i like it it, it looks, looks good. good i really enjoy this one the golden drag here is it's intense actually <laughs> like it's so it is a pretty intense <laughs> a triple ale right is yeah it's like a, a triple dark, dark brown, brown triple ale yeah that's what it was uh and as you can see in the color it is indeed very dark. It's kind of sweet, lightly malty. The the malt actually comes off on the nose pretty hard, but it's not so so much on the the taste, but it is a robust flavor. Me next. It's really really sweet. Yeah, it's
0: surprisingly kind sweet. of not malty way. Like the malt definitely is more nose than it is palate. That's really good, though.
1: Yeah, this is actually really good. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's
0: a dessert beer right after a yeah, hefty I mean, lasagna or some And then some you shit.
1: go immediately to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did so, we mention it's 10. 10.5? 10.5%. Yeah, 10.5%. It's, a, it's a big boy. So this IPA is exactly as I remember it. It is really, really easy to drink. It's not bitter at all. The color's good. There was some pretty good head before, but it's kind of been sitting out for a little bit. Yeah,
0: we took a few pictures of these guys before we started, and so I think my head and your head are gone,
2: but yeah, Drew's is the, it's still thing. there. <laughs> yeah, the Golden Drac has this impressively firm and just—it's like jello-like. a like <laughs> Yeah, it's—it's it's so thick.
1: It's yeah, impressive. it's a pretty easy to drink IPA. It is, and I think
0: after my wheat is probably a little more hoppy than it would fresh, but it's actually still not too
2: bad. Can I try yours, Gary? Oh yeah, oh yeah, you haven't had this one either, huh? So this. Uh I guess is from the Magic Hat brewing. Yep. Very fitting. Flavor points. Uh and Magic Hat is actually out of Ogden. So it's a fairly local brew. I'm not getting any of the citrus. It's, it's more right of at like a end. fresh
0: malty than it is like fruity. You know what I mean? Maybe the IPA just ruined me. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Tainted your your tasting capabilities. But it's good.
2: It's good. Yeah. I mean I definitely taste the the light citrus notes—it's kind of almost like a an herbal citrus, if that makes sense. It's not really like lemons or oranges or anything like that. It's just kind of like some spices. Yeah,
1: yeah. It just—it just tastes like a pretty standard wheat beer. Not that I have anything against. Yeah, that I was gonna say, I are I you gonna this. complain? <laughs> but maybe <laughs> I should have
2: drank that before the IPA. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the considering that you have a lot drop. to go through on that IPA, maybe it's for the best that you <laughs> I just stick to this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Alright. Now that we've got a taste, we all kind of know what's going on in the drinks. Let's start off this white episode with sort of the the way that we've segmented our outlines, sort of the main points of what white likes to accomplish and how it likes to accomplish what it what it does, like the meaning behind
2: the actions. Right. So, so as I said before, white seeks peace through structure. In order to do that, kind of has these three I don't want to say, necessarily call them tenants, but it has three uh, objectives as a yeah, word. the main that, categories, that you can kind of that, break it yeah. all down. So you have moral law, which is t- relegated to peace and morality. You have civil law, which is order, law, and structure. And then you have unity and community. That's very important in a way, is the group. Yep, the group dynamics. So let's start on moral law, and we'll go through
0: uh, some examples of, of how they go about creating peace and morality.
1: So, they deal a lot with uh, morality and ethics and
2: the idea of idyllic idyllic good. Right. So, when you say idyllic good, what we want to try and stray away from is that WotC tries to avoid using the words good and evil in Magic, especially when it comes to white and black. Like, there are good and evil characters, but they don't want to say that white is good and that black is evil because those characters and those... It's racist, first of all. (laughs) But also... (laughs) Because those colors are not necessarily just... (laughs) always good or always evil. Yeah, and there's good and evil in and all everything colors. They, right. If you take something that is good too far, then it can become evil. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, what we're going to do here is that we look at white as the idealic good, as Corey said, uh, and that is from white's perspective, right? They are more or less painting themselves as the good trying to defeat the evil. They
0: believe that they are the
2: good. Yeah. One. Right. And so, we see this in, in the cards. You know, there's angels, right? And... Heroes, yeah, heroes. This protection theme, like they're trying to make sure that their people survive, and that even when they're fighting against other people, that they're not necessarily just trying to kill them outright. You know, sometimes they're trying to disarm or have other tactics than just you know straight battle all the time. Yeah, they their
1: objective is to defeat everybody else, but they would much rather protect their own than do anything else.
0: Yep, and it's interesting to note that a lot of the things that they see as evil again, aren't necessarily, like we said, it's not black yeah, as a not, color. Yeah, it's not color-specific. a lack of structure. It's a lack of civility. It's a lack of religion, and those types of things that fall into the categories of what white believes in. Yeah. Um, and those can fall throughout all the whole color
2: wheel. Yeah, so when we're talking about morality, we also have to talk about like the the idea of a conscience, right? This is how white kind of perpetuates its ideals, is that... When you feel guilty about something, then it says that that is something that is wrong, right? And so it tries to uh, punish the guilty for not uh, following the rules and for acting selfishly, but also trying to reward things like chivalry where you're working selflessly to help the group. Another thing that White also focuses on is balance and
1: grace. And so through balance, they want to balance everything between themselves and everyone around them. And keep everything as even and fair as possible.
0: Yeah, I think fairness is a good way to put it. Because it's it's sort of the
1: honor and ethics of of the whole situation. And then grace also comes back to the angel theme. There's a lot of good big angels in white. And they're obviously very graceful. And that ties
2: everything together. And along with fairness, they have this kind of charity aspect where you're trying to help out your community and those around you that are less fortunate. Yeah, help out the little guys.
0: That's where it kind of falls in line with an opposite of, like, say, a, a selfish black mechanic or something like that, where it's, it's yeah, black sacrificing is, things, but for the greater good, not for the selfish Right, good. yeah. Black
2: is, like, personally ambitious rather yeah. than trying to make sure that everyone has something. Another way that uh,
0: white kind of personifies its morality is through truth and honesty. And some of the ways that they do that is generally white doesn't have a whole lot of like, combat tricks and like hidden things well, like it plays they don't have very hidden things but forward. they do have combat tricks yeah but I mean it plays very open and straightforward you know what I mean using a lot of permanents that are on the board yeah people, yes, I'm gonna see. make
2: tokens I'm gonna make lots of dudes I'm gonna make big dudes yeah this generally is what I'm speaking when you're playing against someone who's playing like I'm on a white deck you know what their game plan yeah. is you know what's going on whereas you know blue and black and you know even to some extent red you know you don't necessarily know exactly what's going on but white you see what's going on very well yeah
0: Another big theme um, for the morality side of uh, of White's characteristics is protection and, and harmony within the group. So making sure that you know they the strong are helping the weak um, instead of just being the strong and being you know the the val- valiant characters. They're also being charitable and protecting you know the group as a whole. Um, and that's where we get a lot of like the the hero type cards.
1: Yeah, and they specifically made a mechanic around this called heroic and it basically you rely on the hero by targeting with spells and that pumps it up and it usually has other additional effects
2: yeah usually with the heroic mechanic they get a plus one plus one counter and sometimes something else yeah Uh, another thing you see when it comes to protection and harmony is that there's just the circle of protection cards there's just ways to protect your permanence your yourself included uh in order to prolong your game plan and so like the circle of protection cards there's one for each of the colors white blue black red green and then there's also like just one of the most famous cards in magic mother of runes which just allows you to give one of your uh, permanents protection from she's just a fucking gangster (laughs) (laughs) another thing that white does when it comes to protection and harmony is that it does try to preserve the piece and so if it can go about doing a non-lethal kind of tactic then sometimes it's going to do that if that's the best option. Uh, And that's where we see some of the best removal in the game in Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exile. Those cards just in the name, Swords to Plowshares, is disarming your enemy and putting them to work in the fields.
1: Yeah, and this kind of leads into the pacifism arrest mechanics, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah,
0: the pacifism and arrest, I think they fall more along the line of our second category here, which is sort of the civil law, not just necessarily following morality and what they consider to be good, but also what they've kind of structured as their society is their actual government yeah their actual laws um so that's where we start to talk about order and governance and and politics not like play politics but actual like government politics within you know the characters in the game yeah and bureaucracy and all that sort of
2: fun stuff like fun fun, in quotation
0: marks yeah heavy (laughs) quotation fun for the player who's playing like
2: (laughs) as an example here we've got tax effects right so things like ghostly prison archangel of tides uh and we have land tax in here which isn't exactly a tax effect but it definitely punishes your opponents for getting ahead of you. Yeah, it's got some flavor. Uh, another thing that White likes to do when it comes to like these sort of law and order is that White likes to change the rules of the game. Yeah, it sort of
0: personifies the idea that White is the lawmaker, is yeah. the one who creates
1: the yeah, structure around which, which the people play. down. Yeah. And so this includes cards like Rule of Law, which let's only only lets people play one spell a turn and then there's humility which fucks everything up and it makes it so nothing has nothing is special everything's just a one one hey man just don't play creatures that's one way that's one way to try and play (laughs) all enchantments so so within
0: that civil law kind of theme we're talking about law and judgment divine judgment versus law of the people um, which is sort of where the religion aspect ties with the government aspect. Yeah, so there's we're a lot of
1: about- themes interwoven yeah. with
2: religion through all of these categories. Which yeah. is just White great to design. Follow. Yeah. like, oh, like As far as the game goes, like having these these different areas be able to tie into each other just shows how well the game is made. So when it comes to actual law and judgment, we've got the law of the people rather than the law of the land, which is more of a green thing. Right, And so when people do things that are bad... You gotta arrest them. Yep. And then we've got divine judgment, right? We've got wrath of God, day of judgment. Talking about board wipes. (sighs) There's
1: a reason they're called wrath effects. It's because of wrath of God.
0: Yeah. It's the the whole Sodom and (laughs) Gomorrah. Done. So another aspect of the civil law is sort of the individual's duty uh, to the cause. You know, discipline,
2: strategy, the sort of the military aspect of being part of a whole. Yeah, white you'll notice when it comes to, like, soldiers and knights and other sort of creatures that there is a strong military organization to white.
0: Yeah, it all sort of ties into the idea of the individual serving the whole. Yeah. Um, for
2: the greater good of the law of the land and, or the law of the people. Right. And with good organization comes efficiency. When people work together, they're able to do more. Another
1: thing that they emphasize with this organization is that a good defense is the best offense.
2: Right. White is very much about your your people, your players staying alive and not getting hurt.
0: Yeah, it's so much less about attacking and more about protecting
1: and guarding. Yeah, and so a lot of cards either care about
2: toughness or punish power. So when white has all of this civil law and order, sometimes it goes too far and then we start to get these sort of authoritarian law, this rigid oppression. And we see that in cards like Active Authority and Authority of the Consoles. Um, Oppressive Raise is a very good example of it as well, where you're punishing creatures for straying out of line, basically. Yeah. So the n- next subcategory we have here is what I've titled The Destruction of the Unholy and the Unstructured. Corey, you're kind of the commander savant of the group. Tell us about it.
1: I like how you said that and not the guy that plays land destruction, because <laughs> that is kind of what this category is. We sort of split it into. Two categories. So there's destruction of the unholy, which is all your disenchants and your OG enchantment and artifact removal, and then there's the unstructured, which is the land destruction. when things get out of hand, you gotta just blow it all up. Yeah, when when things get overgrown,
0: yeah, there's no
1: other option but to just blow everything up. That is some old school cards like Armageddon, and then even Planar Outburst. So that sort of leads us into the next
0: category of. Um, idealistic play style which is unity and community. So now we're not necessarily talking about uh, morality or structure. We're talking about the group and how you interact with the group and specifically with white it's to better the group. It's to always bring everybody up together.
2: As I put in here, it's jolly cooperation. Hell yeah. (laughs) So with that we have kind of a conformity and the theme of just working together, right? If you Band together in times of need. Gross. Then you're going to do do better, right? Uh, you're stronger in battle together, and you're able to just overcome obstacles that individually you wouldn't be able to.
0: See, I like that you use the word conformity because it does, because we're talking about law, it is sort of like a voluntary thing to a point. And that's when you meet that sort of authoritarian feel where it's, yes, we really want everybody to be moral and work together. But if you choose not to be, we will force you to work together for the group. It's, you know, there is a level of, um, you know, restriction to uh,
2: individuality. Right. And with this, The idea that I had behind the conformity ideal was that white is very good at tokens, which we'll definitely get into here in a sec. But when you're making these tokens, they're all the exact same. And white just has the ability to just pump them out in mass. And so the conformity is that all of these creatures are the exact same. With the same goal.
1: Yep. 1-1 soldiers.
2: 2-2 knights. You got some 2-2 kitty cats in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you got your 0-1 goats. (laughs) The The goat. goat. (laughs) So within this, we also have the religious aspect of white. And that is, the idea behind the religion in white is that you teach morality while promoting a unifying ideal. So this kind of goes back to the moral law that we talked about before. And what you're trying to do is trying to motivate, inspire, and unify the masses behind one goal, one ideal. And so kind of like we talked about before, religion sort of weaves its way through a lot of
1: different mechanics and cards that white has. But one that really relates to motivating and unifying the masses is your, um, your pump effects. So this is things like glorious anthem and inspired charge, just things that beef everybody up. All your little dudes, all your little one ones, all your little zero one goats, everything gets brought up
2: as yep. a whole. Right. And kind of attached to that is the exalted mechanic. So just based on the definition of what exalted means, it's to both be held in high regard and to appear happy. Right? So you're trying to make sure that while the masses are unified and together, that they're also happy working for the same goal. Um, and the exalted mechanic, you see things like sublime archangel, and the pseudo-exalted card, angelic exaltation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that kind of moves towards, especially with the religion aspect, it moves towards the kind of protect the faithful, where it's like, okay, these guys are part of the group, and so we're going to protect them because they're holy. They fall within the structure, they fall within the conformity of what
2: this color means to us right basically they're one of us so therefore our religion is going to protect us and our uniformity and our group mentality is going to protect us and this kind of relates
1: back to the color protection spells that we mentioned earlier where they protect from each of the different colors
2: so along with being able to protect the faithful they also have a very strong very prominent mechanic in white in life gain where you're healing the faithful Right. right and so it's not a mechanic that we devote a lot of resources to personally At least not anymore. I used to fucking love Life Gain. Life Gain was my jam. But it's not such a strong mechanic in EDH. Yeah, once
0: you start playing four-player EDH games, you start
1: uh, valuing it less. Yeah, Yeah. I think the problem with Life Gain is that it helps you... Not lose the game, but it doesn't help you win the game. Right, right. Incidental is,
0: life gain tends to be a lot, which is why I, well, I think
1: a lot of us, when we started playing, it was like, "Oh, life gain's so good!" Yeah, like I'm just gonna throw some life gain. Gain seven play. life. I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But
0: it does it does fall within that theme of healing the faithful and and
1: going with uh
0: you know those who are with us exalt together.
1: Yeah, and obviously it's it's pretty good in limited, oh, yeah. not by itself, but in addition. To other things that can make or break a game
0: yeah yeah in in the one-on-one formats it's a lot different yeah and it just so happens a lot of those happen to be you know angels and things like that that sort of fall within that religious holy theme where if you're working for the greater good you also get this benefit of uh you know being healed by god or being healed by your faith
1: yeah and then like lifelink is the sort of the happy medium where you are gaining life while also doing damage yep So another
0: way that white kind of ties in that theme of the holy and using faith as a benefit is uh, how they use their restoration and reincarnation. It's not quite the same predatory, you know, predatory nature that black has. It's very much, you know, we've got faith's reward and sun titan, some of these things that sort of reward the faithful in that you get to come back in the afterlife.
1: Yeah, they just bring things straight back right? and sort of, Another counterpoint is that it's contrary to green's sort of regrowth theme. This is just
2: straight through faith, you come back You're and you'll die. be rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. right? And so white is able to bring creatures back with cards like Sun Titan or Karmic Guide, but it's also able to restore artifacts and enchantments through things like open the vaults. Yeah. So another massive part of white when it comes to unity and community is the idea behind the strength and numbers approach to magic, which is to say tokens. Lots and lots of tokens. Hot tokes. Yeah, this fits a lot of the uh, the
0: conformity kind of thing that we were talking about earlier, where we have kind of have this idea of many hands make light work. So we're able to, through cards like Anointed Procession, effectively double our tokens or create a mass amount of, you know, obviously uniform tokens that spread the work out amongst each other
2: and make things a lot easier for you, for the group. So another thing that makes white very strong is this division of power amongst its creatures. Uh, you see this in the white reening strategy, and the idea is that it is difficult to defeat these sorts of strategies because no one piece is unto itself more important than any other piece. They're all uniform, they're all important in their own way, but they're not. it's not like you cut the head of the snake off and it dies. Yeah, we've been throwing the
1: phrase white weenie around, but it's basically just lots of little one ones and two twos as many as you can. And then you play pump spells and anthem effects to basically bring everybody up and make all your white weenies into really strong, formidable dudes and then defeat your opponent.
0: Without
2: any one of them being the key piece to this whole strategy.
1: Yeah, they're all equally
2: strong together. Right, and with that, you also have cards that enable you to benefit from smaller power creatures, like Mentor of the Meek, and that really helps you enable that game plan. So
1: another thing that can help the group, or the the homies, as it were, in our go-wide strategy for white weenies is sort of a self-sacrifice mechanic. Right,
2: the idea is that these cards or these creatures, they sacrifice oneself to protect the group or an important figure. Yeah. That important figure often being you, the player. you Or your
1: hero of the battlefield, or
2: your angel leading the charge, stuff like that. Yeah, so we have got things like, in recent sense, we've got, in Dominar, we had Dauntless Bodyguard. Uh, in M19, we had Lena, Selfless Champion. The ability to protect the group by just sacrificing one creature.
1: Yeah, she basically makes the army and then sacrifices herself to protect the army.
0: What a gal. Um, another way that we kind of use sacrifice within white is sort of for the greater good. So not necessarily just for, you know, self-sacrifice for our hero or for, you or know, for a, us, for us as a player, but for, you know, the entire group, our entire go wide strategy, our entire army. Um and sacrificing for you know a certain character or a certain card for the benefit of the rest of the game
2: plan and this is more like forced sacrifice rather than self-sacrifice where we are forcing this creature to to die to make the group survive rather a little than more a,
0: aristocratic
2: yeah rather than a creature opting to sacrifice itself yeah, in order yeah. to do it
0: sort of when they drag the goat up to the altar you know Go. It's he, an O one. He, he, he didn't go willing. But he helped everybody out anyway. Additionally, everybody. another category that we kind of listed here. It's like a, it's like category three point five, sort of. It's not truly another category, but it's sort of white's usage of artifacts and enchantments within sort of that religious and military theme. Um, and so they're using enchantments instead of in a predatory sense. You know, they're generally
2: using it to be stronger. Right. You see this in a lot protect. of white auras. Yep. Yeah, like you're trying to pump creatures with them or protect creatures with them. Uh, The Artifacts is more of that militaristic side of it where you have these creatures that benefit from equipment and creatures that can tutor for equipment, things like that. And then you have the Voltron strategy where you want enchantments and artifacts to just pump your creature and just swing in for lethal.
1: Yeah, a lot of Voltron strategies exist because of these white equipment tutors and things that make equipment cost less
2: or free to equip, stuff like that. Yeah, you see the metal craft mechanic. Yeah, it's a very strong mechanic. And that that's very much a white mechanic. All right, now that we've talked about white in a holistic sense, we probably should go back to the beers that we've been having. Corey? I, um, I just want everybody to know. Probably because we gave
0: uh, Corey a quarter gallon of beer, but I finished my beer first. So. Oh, that is
2: actually a first. Corey is usually the one <laughs> to go through we, his beers. I, I
1: should get the biggest beer always. Yeah. <laughs> so this
2: never I feel like that's, this our, is that's our counteracting. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, this just went immediately. Corey's being selfish. Wants the big boys. So,
1: like I said before, I really like this beer. I've had it many times before. It's the Ghost Rider White IPA from Wasatch. It's one of the easier drinking IPAs. Super mild hop.
2: Yeah. Wasatch is a local brewery for us.
1: Yep. Yes. Yeah, so we've, we've had a lot of their beers, and I don't usually go for IPAs, but if I were to choose an IPA, this is definitely one that I
2: would get. It's definitely a, a good starting point if you don't like super hoppy beers. Yeah.
1: It's definitely yeah. kicking me in the ass after a whole quart of it, <laughs> but it's still as good as it's ever been. Yeah. I like
2: it. And Garyan? So,
1: like I said, I finished mine, which
0: has to be a good sign. I had the Circus Boy... Uh, they call it the Heffelweisen, which is pretty pretty bold. Uh, it was good. It was really refreshing. I thought um, the more I drank, the more subtle fruitiness I got from it. So it was less wheat and a little more like refreshing. Again, it's not like citrus like you would think of like a it's, fruity. It's not like a
1: shock top. Yeah, it's not thing. a
0: pineapple cart type of thing. Yeah, It's sort of that just refreshing bit of
2: acidity to the wheat, you know what I mean? Yeah, as far as what I've had from Half of Eisens, this is a very as Gary said, refreshing and like it is a summer beer where you don't go on lawn mow with it. You go and you play volleyball with your homies, hell yeah. And you just have a nice beer on the side and this is exactly the one that you want.
0: Yeah, it's really light, uh easy on the tongue, easy to drink. Now, I had a few sips of Drews, which was the golden drac which i'm sure is the proper pronunciation <laughs> it's pretty close i i'm sure it means golden dragon
1: or golden drake, i, maybe. I assume so there's a, a big there is dragon a golden on. dragon i right looked up some front. stuff and it's apparently named after there's a statue of golden dragon on top of one of the buildings in the town that the brewery's at that is awesome so. i love
2: random like historical blurbs on the reason why beers are named or why, like, where the beer brewery comes from.
1: Yeah, all the backstory for beers just as interesting as all the beer. Seems I mean, as, I like
0: the beers magic.
2: more generally, but <laughs> boom!
0: Yeah, yours was real strong, it is, but
2: not in the same sense as like a normal stout type. No, this is 100% an ale, yeah. you can yeah. taste that immediately. Uh, it does have a bit of a hoppiness to it, but it's very light, it's more sweet, sugary, sweet. malty, but. Not overly so. Uh it's got it's this kind got of a
0: molasses kind of flavor to it. Like very like not a feel. It doesn't feel thick at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, but just real sweet. Yeah, it smells incredibly malty and then it, it tastes really sweet. Yeah. And then you just get punctuations of the rest of the flavors. You do not taste the ten percent. Like it is that is a very no, it easy is, drinking beer. It is a, a smooth dangerous beer. Fucking, yeah.
2: <laughs> like there's probably a reason... Why? It's just, you know, not packaged in quartz. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, a crowler of that will knock you on your ass. But it's definitely a it. dessert-style beer. Like, you have this after, like, a nice steak or something like that. Oh, yeah. And after you're just day. coasting. It's just a nice sipping beer. Yep. So,
0: now that we've got these beers pretty much finished, it looks like, um, let's move on to, well... Other than maybe Corey, he's got a whole stash (laughs) in the can. Um, Let's move on to some of the the more some of the finer points of what White does as far as mechanics go. Instead of instead of an overarching theme of the lore and the
2: ideals. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about the creatures, right? Like what actually makes up White? Like if you are White, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) If you if you think about White. If you think about any of the colors, you always think of certain tribes. And so white has a lot of very notable tribes. Such as angels,
0: soldiers, knights, griffins. I, I like this pace we've got going on. Uh, birds, goats, clerics. What the fuck, guys? Yeah, <laughs> Gary just fucking took <laughs> You and two?
2: I like how he interrupts us with the pace and is just like, not only am I going to interrupt you about the pace, but I'm also going <laughs> I'm to name two it. in a row.
0: <laughs> I'm stepping in here boys uh, monks clerics An- another uh, kind of weird one that just sort of recently has filtered its way into white is zombies which obviously used to be more of a, a black and m- maybe a little blue um, but we now finally got mummies yep we've got yep. almond cat coming
2: amonkhet, in hard with zombies yep.
1: another big one is spirits that's, yep. that's uh, another one that shares a lot of colors with blue
2: yep and then elves
1: when it comes to green and white. Yeah, green, white. Rice the Redeemed. Reese the Redeemed. Reese. The most OP He's so elf. good. <laughs> he's
2: so good. And the less spoken tribe, the Kithkins.
1: I hate them. Shout out to my boy, Gaddock Teague. Yeah, fuck you, dude. He's a, Gattic, he's a Kithkin. Uh, we've also got
2: Giants. Yeah, it shares color with red for sure.
1: Yeah, Boros Giants is really good. And then... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's really good, okay, but it's, it's really a thing. It's really fun. And then... The greatest of them all that we've talked about many, many times this podcast goats. Goats. Is specifically, zero 01 goats. <laughs> zero 01 goat token. Zero 01 white goat tokens. All right. So, those are probably
0: what we could consider the most common or most notable white specific
2: creature types that show up. Fairly frequently. Yeah, if somebody names one of these tribes, you're going to recognize it. If you look it up, you're going to find white creatures in it.
1: Yeah, these are the ones that people build decks around. Nobody's going to build decks around weird shit. So once we get past all the tribes, we get into sort of the the keywords, as we like to call them, that a lot of which show up on white cards. And so... Vigilance! That's a huge one. And so... (laughs) We can just machine gun through these. because First strike and double strike. There's not a lot to talk about. Well, and we're going to do a
0: whole episode on mechanics specifically. So we'll get a little deeper into yeah. what these things
1: mean a little later. These are
2: just... Why is Gary promising these things?
1: These are just... It shall be done. A lot of common ones that show up on white cards. So we've got things like flying yep. and vigilance. As Drew said, first strike and double strike. Let Jared, it be known really
2: fun that these game. are not exclusive to white. Yeah. But they are very common on, on white. F-
1: prevalently, yeah. Yes
2: then we've got things like life link or just life gain in general yeah, and just, also just a lot a of, of gain life gain yeah. matters like when you gain life do this or just having a massive life total equals awesome things like stormheart where you put x11 white pegasus creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield where x is your life total 100 life 100 tokens
1: yeah and then there's things like felodar sovereign which is as soon as you have 40 life at the beginning of your upkeep you win the game dumb in edh but solid card though oh yeah Another thing that White likes to do is they have an emphasis on walls. And so a lot of cards have the defender keyword. Uh, another thing that White likes to do is tap and untap creatures. So yeah, sort of white, manipulating
2: the, the tapping. Yeah. yeah. Just white loves to tap things. Putting down. you
1: down while bringing me up, kind of Which
0: things. seems very in line with the law and order yeah, or pacifism so, kind
1: yeah, of thing. Yeah. You get out of line, I'm going to tap you down. Yeah, well,
0: you're going to take a timeout.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> sit
2: yeah. down. White is also very prevalent in the exile effects rather than just destroy, which White has plenty of, but it's very prominent exile or just flicker and blink mechanics. Uh, As you said before, White also likes this sort of resurrection, revival and rebirth kind of theme. Uh, it's really good at these prison and tax effects, like ghostly prison. Yeah, there's
1: whole decks built around prison and tax effects, just like keeping everybody down. Yeah. Uh,
2: some of the, the minor themes are like the aristocrats theme, sacrificing creatures to get benefits off of them, uh, making tokens off of creatures when they die, that sort of thing. Uh, and then what is also one of the major components of the enchantress decks, uh, such as Mesa Enchantress. So whenever you play an enchantment, you draw a card.
1: Yeah, so there's a whole theme of cards and they're just labeled enchantress cards because they just feed off this one theme of playing enchantments and drawing cards off of it.
2: They're my jam. (laughs) All right, so Garen, give us a summary. What cards do it all? What do they do? So we've got a couple planeswalkers on our list here that
0: really do kind of encapsulate all of the themes that we kind of talked about. So we've got like Elspeth, Sun's Champion. Ooh, my favorite. She's good. She's real good. So she's got the three abilities. Her first plus one is put three 1-1 white creature tokens onto the battlefield. So we've got our token theme.
1: Aren't they soldiers too? They They are are. in fact. You're right.
0: Soldier creature tokens. 100% on theme. Okay, next. Yep. We've got the negative three, which is destroy all creatures with power four or greater. So we've got a
2: mini wrath effect.
1: Yeah. So this is another thing that emphasizes toughness and punishes power. Yeah, and it also
0: it helps with the idea of banding together. The whole save everybody, all of our low guys that we've got here in our go wide strategy. It's like we're protecting them. Yeah, we're going to destroy
1: all the big dudes, save the white weenies.
0: Yep, and then her ultimate is a negative 7. You get an emblem with creatures you control get +2 plus +2 two, plus two, and have flying. So that so, pumps
1: all your little
2: guys, gives yeah. them some evasion. Right. So, there's also some combat tricks and magic that are almost exclusive to white that are colloquially known as pump and jump spells where they pump the creature's power and toughness and then jump them quote unquote uh which gives them flying and elspeth just gives you an emblem that does that
0: yeah solid emblem if you ask me
2: so another one of the planeswalkers we've
0: got here on the list is ajani steadfast so his plus one is until end of turn up to one target creature gets plus one plus one and gains first strike vigilance and lifelink all three of those white mechanics we talked about. Yeah, those are some big keywords. Yep. Uh, his negative two is put a 1-1 one, one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you, you control, which is
2: huge. Yeah, right. So, so white uh, has this sub-theme of plus one, plus one counters. It's not massive in white, and it's not something that is exclusive to white, but it definitely does it well, especially when it comes to Ajani.
1: Yeah, and one thing all of the Ajani planeswalkers do, or at least most of them, they pump up everything including planeswalkers a lot of other things don't include planeswalkers but this kind of feeds into the idea that you pump up everything on your team yeah Johnny is a super friend friend yeah he's the support of the group
0: well and it kind of makes sense because even though every color is going to have planeswalkers that involve loyalty counters i like the idea that it sort of does fit white's theme of loyalty and and service and duty um and so you know he's giving loyalty counters to these Planeswalkers, which kind of fits that white vibe of, hey, you did great. Here's a counter. He's just <laughs> a good guy. What's He's his just
1: ult? He you did, he you, you done good. <laughs> you done. Have a counter.
0: <laughs> all right. And so his ultimate is a negative seven with you get an emblem with if a source would deal damage to you or a planeswalker you control, prevent all but one of that damage. So it's another one of those sort of
2: protection and prevention of damage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there's also a sweet Ajani where it's, his ultimate is you gain 100 life. <laughs> Which I'm a huge fan of.
2: Honestly, I used to love that card, and then I ulted him once, and I still lost the game, and I'm still bitter about it. All right. Wizards of the Coast has printed two cycles of cards. They've got the Command Cycle and the Confluence Cycle, which really encapsulate what these colors do. So we've got austere Command and Righteous Confluence. Garion, tell us what they do.
0: So Austere Command is four white-white for a sorcery, and it says choose two of the following destroy all artifacts destroy all enchantments destroy all creatures with converted mana cost three or less destroy all creatures with converted mana cost four or greater so this is a pick your own board wipe yep it's sort of a mix and match of fuck you one of the best board wipes it is just because of how versatile it is and righteous confluence it's three white white for a sorcery again and it says choose three You may choose the same mode more than once, which is sort of unique. The first one is put a 2-2 White Knight creature token with Vigilance onto the battlefield. The second is Exile Target Enchantment. And the third is you gain five life. So it's another one of those sort of could-be-incidental life gain where maybe you possibly do need it, but it's sort of a mix and match of
2: what you need in the moment. Yeah, you've got token generation, you've got enchantment destruction, or exile in this case, And you've also just got life gain.
1: Yeah, which are just a lot of the main goals of white that we've already discussed.
2: Yep. Sometimes you just need five life. Sometimes
1: you need 15 life. Yeah,
2: that's true. And when you do, this card will give it to you. You can do it. All right, so we've given a generalized holistic view of what white is, but we haven't really gone in depth into how white does what it does. So we'll definitely be covering that on a later episode, but... For now, that is a generalized concept of white. Yeah, and where we're doing this as like a color wheel
0: series, we're going to get into, obviously, the other four colors and discuss not only those colors, but also the fact that you know magic in its inception from the very beginning knew that these five colors were going to be balanced that they were going to have enemy and ally colors so if you look at the back of any magic card from the beginning of time they've never changed the design we've actually got the colors arrayed in a specific order because white's ally colors are green and blue Right, and that's kind of how it, that's how the game was built. And so, its enemy colors are black and red. And we'll kind of get into as we get along and discuss more of these colors, not only how these colors function in a vacuum by themselves, but also why their ally colors are who they are, how they work together, or how their enemy colors sort of oppose them fundamentally.
1: Yeah, what the different strategies are with different colors. Yeah, and then the different archetypes that you can make with the different decks.
0: Yeah, I think we'll probably, hopefully, if everything goes to plan, we'll end up doing some episodes on the wedges, which is um, each color sort of represented with its ally colors as a group of three. And then we'll probably end up doing the shards later on, which is sort of the opposing colors. And I think that'll give a really good over overall view of the colors by themselves and with their allies and with their sort of... You know, enemy opposing colors and, and how the game was literally built with this lore and this math already built in. I mean, Richard was a goddamn genius.
2: <laughs> Talking so about Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering, the father, <laughs> the godfather. <laughs> yeah, so Gary is kind of hinting on plans for the future. Hopefully, we'll be able to meet the goals that he's setting for us here. We're setting the bar high
0: for you guys because we love you. So obviously the plan is to continue to sort of expand on the relationship between these colors. Um, But I think this sort of gives a pretty good idea of the overarching themes that encapsulate white specifically.
1: Yeah, I think we've talked about its ideals and sort of how it functions in the game and in the lore
2: and just kind of covered a little bit of everything. Yeah. This is by no means supposed to be an in-depth look at white in the game as cards and functional and functionality it's just a we would have to do 16 overview. hours yeah we could just read yeah. white cards for days <laughs> you'd eventually get what it wants to do but rather than that we I figured out this a, is a pretty good overview though yeah, it's just a nice summary for yeah. you
0: now, if you guys have any suggestions of what we missed, I mean, we're always we're always available for cr- critique. Try not to be an asshole, but you know, send us <laughs> send us a line down. We got uh, you know, we got our Twitter up and running. It's Gary and manages Twitter. So if you
2: really want to hammer, I guess if you if you want to be it. an asshole, be an ass, be an ass. Uh,
0: you know, our Twitter's at uud podcast. My Twitter's
1: at Gary and Wells. Super easy. I'm at Corey Jana or the Jana
2: Bakery on Twitter. And I'm at Drew Flitton. F-A-L-I-T-T-O-N. No, no Flinton. Yeah, don't it's throw those flint. ends in yeah. there where they don't belong. So definitely
0: drop us a line. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Um, and as always, if you guys know some beers that we have not put up on the podcast yet, absolutely drop us a line because yes.
1: we're looking for new stuff all the time. We're always taking recommendations. There's, oh, yeah. there's too much good beer not to just get ideas.
2: And as always... If you've been drinking along with us, make sure you drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive. We want you to be safe out there. Don't underage drink. Like, let's just play by the rules here.
0: Yeah, just stay safe, guys. We are talking about white. We need to stay within that structure. (laughs) Follow
2: the law. law. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Rules are there for a reason. So thank you guys for listening to us. We're we're glad that we've got a little platform here where we can talk
1: and drink and hang out. uh, um, And just be ourselves, be goofy and weird and have fun. And as always, guys, have fun but not too much.